Take a deep breath and close your eyes and let your imagination take you wherever you want to go. Welcome to the Nephology Podcast, where we discuss topics ranging from science, biology, health, and living well in today's world. Let's get on with the show. All right, and welcome to our fourth podcast with Dr. Neva Baines and myself. This, you know, this is the podcast from Novology.com. In today's topic, we are going to discuss arterial sclerosis, nanobacteria, collation, and how Dr. Baines was kind of pulled into NASA because of some interesting findings. It's kind of a, a really cool story, so I, I think you folks would want to hear this, and what all of this has to do with Mars. So that's even really cooler. But let's take a step back and, and Neva, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Roland. How are you? Oh, doing fine, honey. It's a beautiful day here in Austin, Texas. And, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, so uh, kind of enjoying the weather. So let's get back into this because I'm really intrigued. And, and I was telling Neva today, last night I saw this Mars movie and they found some bacteria. And I don't want to give a lot away uh, on that movie or anything like that. I found it interesting that we were talking about this yesterday. And for those at home who may not know what arterial sclerosis is, which, you know, I, I had to confirm that would never, that is basically the plaque buildup that your arteries get um, over time. And I just want to preface all this, because now you're going to be saying, well, how does my artery plaque have to do with anything on Mars? But, I mean, let's, we'll get to there. So, so bear with us. Nanobacteria is obviously just minuscule bacteria that I, my understanding is that is alive that is way super small. Like, I mean, it, it is, it, you can't see it, you know, uh, naked eye or anything like that. It's, it's smaller than microns in size. It's a tiny bacterium. And now for the life of me, collation, uh, what, is, what, is, what is collation? Well, that question is that uh, probably going to uh, be asked again at the end of our conversation, but chelation is uh, something, a kind of treatment actually, uh, in vitro and in vivo, which means uh, outside of the body and also inside the body that we dissolve calcium phosphate depositions. But this is too complicated explanation. I think if we start from um, what calcification is, what nanobacteria is, probably that will make more sense for uh, people who has no idea about what we are okay, talking so, about. Okay, so let's start here on, on, on first base on the arterial sclerosis and um, calcification. So I'll let you take it from here because you are the brains of the operation. <laughs> I'm just the guy that makes it happen, so... So enlighten well, us. <laughs> I will be a storyteller this time. I mean, it's it's interesting a science story, Roland. And I think that I should start the story uh, from 1991. Yeah. I mean, way back. It's interesting because probably how we um, uh, stepped into this story is interesting too. And uh, if you don't mind, I want to start from how I uh, was involved into this discovery. I start with that story. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, in 1991, I finished my PhD on allergy and asthma. So my subject was that. And then as a postdoc, I went to Finland, uh, Kuopio University. It's about 400 kilo kilometers away from Helsinki. So uh, my point was to work as a postdoc on allergy research groups. But I met Dr. Kayander, Olavi Kayander, a Finnish medical doctor, and he had uh, his own postdoc research years ago before I 
I went, in United States, in Scripps University in San Diego, and he just uh, realized that the cell cultures dying with no reason. Um, it's called apoptosis. Apoptosis means that the cells commit suicide. So he wonders, what is killing the cells? And the experts say, it can be contamination by bacteria, but we don't see anything when we look with microscope, and the cells just die. Now, is, so, this, is this over time? Is this, they were just immediately out of their environment and dying, or what, 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 was, what was? Well, mammalian cell cultures are, it's in, in flask, you know, in, in incubator outside, and um, when the cells start to die by itself, it's supposed to grow well, there's no contamination, the good temperature, and everything cells need is there, but they die, they commit suicide. And <laughs> that's so interesting that uh, his uh, uh, mentors say that, well, you know, this happens and we don't know why. What we do generally, we trash everything and then we start from the beginning. But um, Dr. Kayander was curious and he says, no, I want to know why. Well, he starts to uh, look deeper into it and he, um, he cannot see really any bacteria, any virus, anything with the conventional techniques. But then when he puts uh, that samples under electron microscope, microscope, he sees this tiny little particles look like tiny little bacterium, but the size is so small that it cannot be bacterium because um, it is so small that uh, DNA and RNA, which is a machinery of a cell to divide, cannot fit into that tiny size. So he wonders, what are these? It cannot be virus because virus, like, you know, coronavirus example from uh, today's problem, um, virus need another cell um, they need a host. For being able to right. multiply. Yeah, it's a host needing system. Mm -hmm. But this is not a virus because it self replicates. It doesn't need anything, it just self replicates. So, but is it a bacterium? Then he, he names it um, nanobacteria because the size is about 100 nanometers, which is almost, uh, there are some viruses in that size, but smaller than the virus. The, uh, there is a uh, a very recent discovery, there is 750 nanometer in size viruses nowadays. So it is so small, you can imagine. So, and then he comes back to Finland, but nobody pays attention to this discovery. And then I go to Finland for working on my postdoc research on allergies, and he said, I'm a medical doctor and you're a microbiologist and I have seen something like that, what do you think? It was interesting and I uh, guess what happened? I pushed all my postdoc subject aside, concentrated on this research only in 1991. The reason was we use mammalian cells for pro producing vaccine and if something is killing mammalian cells and so small that can pass through sterilization filters. I said, oh my God, this can go through the sterilization techniques of vaccines if this is something, you know, causing any problem and cannot be detected with standard techniques in microbiology. We got to concentrate on that. You know, we need to find out what are these particles. So without mammalian cells, we used mammalian cell culture conditions and started the culture. It's very slow, self-multiplying beings. And we still name them nanobacteria at the time. So we are sending into very famous laboratories and asking, what is this? And the answer is, there's nothing here. But 
when you put under electron microscope, there is something. You could see it moving, or you could see it. Yeah, I mean, you can see tiny little particles that is moving all around, like bacteria. So was there, they're implemented to measure not robust enough uh, uh, to, to catch the, the, you know, because it was so tiny in size? Um, you know, there are techniques in microbiology. We either dyed a microorganism and look with microscope. There are certain stains that we use for diagnosing uh, bacteria. Uh, and there are um, other techniques like nucleic acid research, like PCR. Uh, now everybody's familiar with the name PCR, again, for because of coronavirus. So that kind of technique, and they all give negative results. And um, so the first attempt was we need to find a diagnostic tools for these particles. And we developed a monoclonal antibody that can recognize um, these beings. And then we started to diagnose uh, them by using special staining techniques. And then look more detail under electron microscope and we realized that oh my god they cannot see it because these tiny little things have a kind of jacket around them which is calcium phosphate calcium carbonate it's like a bone mm. so no no dyes can go through and no nucleic acid dyes can go through and it is very difficult to isolate nucleic acid from them because calcium phosphate, phosphate, that jacket, ties the nucleic acid naturally. And when you try to take their jacket off, most probably you deteriorate the structure of nucleic acid. So these are all very complicated uh, scientific things I'm talking about right now, but I need to tell this a little bit for giving a sense that why it was so difficult from 1991 to 1998. We have been working on this and trying to create new techniques to detect them. And, and then, um, of course, not only in our laboratory, we started to teach this technique to other uh, institutions because we wanted our findings to be repeated by others. Um, you know, uh, institutions, because if you only see by yourself, that's not very scientific. You need to develop a technique and then others should be able to repeat your results for convincing the rest of the scientific society that we are dealing with something really unique here. Gotcha. And they were really excited too. I mean, we were sending to all over Europe, and the first question actually I asked is, huh, how about, what do they do? People don't care there's something in mammalian cells, but how about if we show that, that they may cause any problem? So we in fact injected those particles, we prefied them with ultrasound refuge and gave it to animals. Well, I have to tell this, that <laughs> as a scientist, I hate to work with animals. Um, I am, uh, I love animals too much. And uh, my only agreement with the universities uh, all my life was, I can do any research, but I don't work with animals. But in the sense, we had no any choice to do this research and then we had to use rabbits and rats and the result was amazing. These beings were directly going to kidney. There is no bacterium when you inject into blood circulation goes to kidney. And so, that was so, shocking for us. So what you're saying is that the as they injected the um, nanobacteria into the rabbits or the frogs or the rats or whatever it may be, this went, this then started to calcify, uh, you know, uh, solidify and turn into some sort of uh, uh, arterial sclerosis? 
Um, that point we had no idea about arteriosclerosis. Arteriosclerosis came afterwards. We first, when you see something that goes to kidneys, and these tiny little beings have capability of calcifying themselves, of course, you question, huh, how about kidney stones? Right. Do they cause kidney stone formation? So we didn't even think about arteriosclerosis at that time. And we then collected kidney stones from the patients in, in our hospital, in Kuopio University Hospital. And then we started to make cultures uh, from those um, kidney stones. And then the result was unbelievable. And we prefied growing, actively growing uh, nanobacteria that is, um, we, we could stain them with the specific monoclonal antibodies and all morphological um, uh, shape is exactly like w what we saw in mammalian cell cultures and we were so excited and we published that result um, in Kidney International and it started right there because when we were labeling this nanobacteria with uh, some radioactive labels and then giving to animals, we noticed that it is going to heart as well. And then the question starts, you know, it's not only kidney stones in the body that is caused, we, we call it calcification, arteriosclerotic plaques in you know, the vessels mm -hmm. is a pathological calcification, gallbladder stones, you know, and gallstones, and uh, dental plaques, and even Alzheimer's in um, uh, amyloid formations, and and think about the joints and with old age, pineal gland calcification, and, and you can name it, it's like um, even an arthritis. When we age, Yes. We start yes. to calcify, and and that made a huge, um, uh, how can I say, effect on scientific society when we brought this up and said, ladies and gentlemen, something in our hand, please help, because we cannot do this by ourselves, and we need a cooperation. We need collaboration. We want uh, doctors to be involved, and we want everybody who is interested in involved and help us to discover this, that uh, what these things are really. So there was a huge interest, but something very amazing going on at that time, which I still uh, smile. So, so oh, I gotta so, go. Okay, so, okay. so let, let me let me take a step back here. Okay. So you you um you come up with the I mean well y'all y'all figure out that this nanobacteria is causing um, calcification, whether it's kidney stones, arterial sclerosis, uh, you know, um, gallstones, all, all anything that has that calcifies in the body, maybe is linked to this nanobacteria. Other how than, does how does this get to Mars? <laughs> that's the that's the I leap. Mean, oh, that's a good question. But when you say everything in the body uh, calcification is caused by bacteria, is uh, not the right okay. answer. Well, I, um, I was just thinking of the arthritis and the you know a lot of the. It seems yeah, like the, we call uh, we call them pathological calcification if it is other than in bone and teeth because they are calcium phosphate, calcium carbonate. Too. So, uh, but other than bone and teeth, anywhere else in the body, uh, in the soft tissue, if there is any calcification, we call this pathological calcification. So we connected nanobacteria with pathological calcification. Okay. All right. So, do you want me to go back to connection with Mars? Well, <laughs> I just this is just so so crazy. So like, okay, so you so you and this this doctor and you discover this and then and here's where the story takes a wild twist so I, I'll just let you continue but it, it's such a it's such a like and I'm sure our, our listeners are like how does what does this have to do with Mars so let's get to that <laughs> okay 
if you don't mind, if you if you if you sure is, sure okay. Uh, uh, but there was something just uh, left here open. Uh, let me say that and then continue from there. Okay. That I just said something made me smile. And what was that? <laughs> that was um, medical doctors were cons concentrated on uh, the point that, hey, nobody knows how pathological calcification forms in body. Probably that's the reason, and probably we can heal it because there's no solution for pathological calcification other than surgery and some, you know, um, difficult procedures, which is not a cure. Right. So, um, but the uh, the interesting thing was the whole microbiology world was concentrated on this cannot be true because they are too small to be alive. So they concentrated on that and that point uh, that specific thing connected uh, our research with Mars research so that's now I can continue from there because um, we have no idea we are in Finland doing this research but somewhere in United States in Johnson Space Center a team led by uh, Dr. David Mackey is working on meteorites from Mars. They are trying to see under electron microscope if there is anything, you know, any clue. And what they see is the, the most amazing thing is <laughs> they have tiny little fossil bacterial fossil-like structures look like bacterial fossils but they are so small, and they announced this to scientific world, and everybody says, oh, this cannot be bacterial fossil, they are too small to be bacterium, these are artifacts. But <laughs> when this uh, subject was discussed at NASA, Carl Sagan um, uh, says that, you know what, I heard a research in Finland, they are working in blood, with very similar size organisms. They call it nanobacteria too. Amazingly, in Johnson Space Center, they don't know us, they never heard about us. They have named these particles also nanobacteria. So we have given the same name for our discoveries. And Carl Sagan called me in the middle of the night <laughs> He has found my name and my phone number from university in the middle of the night because, you know, we have time difference between Europe and United States. And I didn't believe first that the person who called me was uh, Carl Sagan. And the following day I had that email saying that um, I want to introduce you to the team, uh, David Mackay, because I think... Um, you are dealing with not the same organism, but the same difficulty. You are trying to convince the scientific society that these little particles might be alive. Of course, I was so excited. And, uh, and during this time, we have introduced this discovery to a World Health Organization and uh, National Institute of Health, because we reported them that uh, these uh, particles we discovered, we are still trying to identify them. They are in blood circulation, and it may uh, cause vaccine contamination. And we were also nominated in 1998 for Nobel Medical Prize with that discovery. But um, we couldn't, uh, we didn't receive that, but it was a great honor for us to be even nominated. And then um, I uh, and uh, my colleague, Dr. Kayander, we flew to United States and um, we met collaborators from Mayo Clinic and also Dr. David Mackey. But unfortunately, the year we flew to um, uh, 
United States first time, Carl Sagan was passed away. And I never met him in person. That's um, unfortunate, unfortunately. I mean, because he was my um, uh, role model. Uh, he was an amazing scientist who yeah, it, always... It, I, 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 I've heard, like, like, when you were growing up as a kid, you had his picture up on your wall. Yes, I... <laughs> Ain't that wild? Ah, you heard that story. Yes, I was... Um, <laughs> All my girlfriends were having some handsome Hollywood stars pictures on their walls, and I was having Carl Sagan. only Carl Sagan's <laughs> pictures on my walls. And even in, uh, at, when I moved to Finland, the first picture I had on my wall was Carl Sagan. I, I was manifested destiny, him, but, my friend. <laughs> isn't that amazing? I mean, nothing. I don't believe in coincidences, Roland. I think. Um, you invite sometimes things in your life uh, if you really want to have. And, but um, unfortunately, I couldn't meet him, but it was great honor for me to be introduced by him to NASA. And then I received invitation from Johnson Space Center as a visiting scientist, and I came to Houston, Texas. And then we started to work and make comparison on... Um, um, Martian meteorite nanobacteria and the nanobacteria we isolated from blood circulation and how amazing that this uh, collaboration with geologists and medical scientists we started to bring it was the first time probably brought a huge discussion what is the definition of life when we are seeking for life on other planets because we were not capable of isolating specific nucleic acid for these particles that we named nanobacteria. And then we said maybe we shouldn't even call them nanobacteria. It was a tentative name. Let's call them calcifying nanoparticles. And they are self-replicating. It seems like they are self-replicating. So. Um, there's lots of research behind uh, this self-replicating word, and then we work on it self-replicate. And then we collaborated and found out that actually um, the first, uh, the primitive life form in on this planet might not be DNA and RNA because it's a so complicated chemical that in the beginning that cannot form DNA and RNA, it might be a lipid-based form. And then we have a bunch of research on that too. Some are published, some we never had chance to publish. And um, then while we were trying to define um, the life, the definition of life, I have asked a question to... Um, the NASA scientists that I said, if I would give you a bucket of nanobacteria, and if you go and pour this Mars on any other planet, um, you couldn't detect and say that there's living beings here because uh, we are using conventional technique to detect life. And then they were scratching their head. That's correct. So, um, this is a very deep discussion. I can maybe talk about it in another podcast, but this is the important thing that when I was at NASA, I learned that astronauts, when they go to zero gravity, microgravity, basic health condition is loss of bone and kidney stone formation. Hmm. Because uh, there is no gravity, um, calcium phosphate from their bone, um, the loss of bone, it goes to blood circulation. If you have any uh, condition that any, um, we call nucleus niche, that the calcium phosphate goes and attaches, it may cause kidney stone formation. And we believed this calcifying nanoparticles, nanobacteria, is the niche of starting kidney stone formation. And when, when the astronauts have blood circulation, 
it, lots of uh, loss of bone and it goes to calcium phosphate to blood circulation and in the kidney it precipitates and uh, cause kidney stones and we have publications showing that they were nanobacteria positive the kidney stones isolated from astronauts so um of course, this is not only at NASA, in Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, and some uh, hospitals. And we started to also uh, work on how we can destroy these things to pre uh, prevent the disease calcification in human body. Because, Roland, number one killer of humanity is not traffic accidents, not war, not coronavirus, no nothing but heart disease. This is number one killer. And it's mostly starting with the um, blockage in the vessels, arteriosclerosis and Mayo Clinic and in Hungarian group there in the universities and other universities, they started to work on that animal lab, animal research or also the plaques isolated from heart vessels and they showed that those plaques have nanobacteria. And we also worked with cadavers. And they were kidneys, and we showed also in human kidneys, and, uh, and which called Randall plaques, starter of kidneys. Then we, hey, maybe Randall plaques were nanobacteria, so they caused kidney stones. It started to get bigger and bigger, and Probably I was sleeping three, four hours a day. I was so excited, me, my team members, and Finnish team. And it was, um, we of course found a discovery, a treatment discovery, and a group started to try our treatment on arteriosclerotic patients and kidney stone patients. And we started to report our findings to FDA for getting approval for treatment because it was a simple treatment which you in the beginning of podcast men mentioned chelation, but it's not only chelation, we combined it with antibiotics uh, because only chelation didn't help. But when we combined it with the antibiotic, which could kill the naked nanobacteria with no jacket, let me say so. And that combination was unbelievable results we were receiving. and. Uh, we came to an FDA in the second phase, and everything was going so wonderful. And uh, But in the same time, there were publications coming from some certain groups, <laughs> mostly funded by drug companies, no. and no. Um, no. that this is uh, very controversial. It is nothing. This was a false information. It is such a false information that we are talking about that it has been uh, repeated in multiple institutions, including even in Japan, in China, in all over Europe, in the United States, in highly reputable institutions by a very respected scientists and the doctors are approving and we are very successful in treatment. And even from NIH, a group just said, we see something, but we don't think these are any living beings. So they kept concentrating on if they are conventional living beings or not, rather than, hey, they found some calcifying particles, and it might be a solution and reason and solution to solve the number one killer of society. So... Today, and, and I'm going to say, right now, here, here we go back to my old comment. If, if there's no money in the cure, there's money in masking the problem. Unfortunately, this is truth. And when you bring it into words, um, it, it doesn't uh, make me feel comfortable to talk this way. But there are realities. And we had a hard time finding funding for our research. And first reason when we were in Finland uh, that they didn't believe us because we couldn't publish. Then we published. Then they said that it's a small institution. We don't trust the results. Then we 
uh, shared information with other institutions, they started the project. And they said that still the discoverers are coming from a very tiny in Corpio. And then I moved to Johnson Space Center at, you know, at NASA. And there we made celeb, you know, unbelievable findings, results with many different collaborations. And the institution was good, the, you know, everything is there. And still we couldn't make our voice go through. And Unfortunately, in uh, 2008, uh, my father got ill and I, I had to say goodbye uh, to go to my homeland, Turkey, to take care of my dad. And I thought I can come back and start where I left. And I had to stay four years to take care of my father. You know, I can find job anywhere, but I thought I have only one daddy. When I came back, um, there were lots of things changed because when you leave kind of potential science alone, I do believe it is, um, I don't know if I'm using the right word, Roland, um, it is abused <laughs> by um, some people that uh, really for some reason didn't want this science to go ahead. And, um, and then, uh, did, did, what did happen? Still, uh, some curious scientists wanted to go ahead, and they wanted to continue. And um, and uh, there, of course, now the questions in the head: What happened to NASA? What? What? Why didn't you go back to that project again? And because NASA asked me to have funding and I couldn't get any funding from my age. And the only support was coming from uh, some uh, charities and this, this science is, uh, re was requiring a little bit more than charity support. You know, it, it kind of amazes me that that when hearing this story, it's really, it's not disheartening, it's a wonderful story, and, and kudos to you for, and your team for discovering this, but something like this that could really change the lives of a lot of people, and we're all going to have it. I don't care who you are in this spectrum, meaning whether you're some rich guy, some poor guy, some, some middle class guy, the president, whoever it is you're going to have these issues. And I think in anybody's sane mind that they would say, you know what, this is worth, this is worth revisiting or let's, let's figure out how to get her the funding to move this forward because this could really change all our lives. And it's not important to anybody until it affects them, right? But, but heed my words, right. you know, if you're listening to this, this would actually it's going to affect everybody. It's going to affect me. It's going to affect everybody. If you, you know, if you've loved up to 50, 55 years old, you're probably starting to have issues. You get what I'm yes. saying? And so, so classification is everybody's uh, right. problem. And when somebody hears the story, everybody says it's too good to be true. And they don't believe that can it be true? Uh, because what we learn from our childhood, if there's a good science, it gets support. And it always reach the success. I, I'd like to think that's the way it works. I wish it was. And I mean, today... Jaded, but there's so much lobby and money and pharma and everything exactly. else. And it just exactly. really shoots, I mean, It's just... You know, it it is this way. Right. And, uh, you know, today we are going through the COVID-19 um, pandemic and it's... Uh, uh, now we are seeing that... Um, one vaccine is immediately asking a support from FDA. They actually made that application today and said, we want approval uh, for emergency use of this vaccination for saving lives. And, <laughs> um, and uh, they are going to receive the um, approval. And the number one killer of uh, humanity is still heart disease. 
and uh, but we never got that support from anywhere and that was the thing but okay you can ask me am I um, bitter angry or no you know what I thought probably maybe I shouldn't say probably definitely there are these kind of scientists in the world that had amazing findings in their hand could not uh, climb the top of the hill and announce to humanity that hey I have a solution for this big problem I'm not the only one but, but and you know, there are you know honey at the end of the day I I would be proud of what you did you know you did it at the end of the day it, it one, you want the science to get out there for humanity's sake. I don't think you're the type of person who cares whether your name is in lights or not. It's, it's nice to get recognition for what you've done. But at the end of the day, I, I know where your heart is and your mind and your soul is. It's, it's, it's more like what's going to better humanity? What's going to do best for everybody? And, and I think that's what maybe Bob, you know, I would think that you would have liked to see it move forward because it is, if this truly is what it is, then this could save a lot of people's lives, better quality of life. And I, I, I deal with an ailing mother who's got cardiovascular issues because of plaque and everything else. She's on a million different pills to lower the blood pressure, to, to keep all this stuff down. And all of those pills, um, yeah, it masks the problem or it works, but at the same time, it, it, it distresses her, her aging body more than if you had something that could treat this. And from, from my understanding is that they had high success rates with when they were using this in test case studies, correct? For correct, yes. And it, you know, that's the interesting thing I probably have to tell right here. At the time, um, 2006, we made a calculation that cure would cost $75 only. So, and but when you have ketone, you got a little tripsy, you know, the kidney stone that that's it with the waves, they break the kidney stones. And for a car arteriosclerosis, and lots of rheumatoid arthritis medications and uh, statins for blocking the plaque formation, and um, those are mostly um, and the cure is $25 at that time, that was the cost. And um, it's not even expensive treatment. Right, and, so, um, so here's a very simple solution that may save a bunch of people, yet again, it goes back to unfortunately, oh, well, you know, there's no money in it, so we're not gonna do that. And you'll get that pushback because of all the lobbyists and everything else, and then, you know, your government agencies that are funded by these other agencies won't, won't see the science through. Really upsetting. It really is upsetting, and and it's 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 um, you know I I don't I don't know. But I, but this is not the end of the story, Roland. Because um, probably not me. Probably not um, Dr. Kyander, who we are announced as the discoverers of nanobacteria, uh, or calcium uh, uh, self-replicating. Uh, classifying particles. Um, remember Helicobacter pylori, which caused a stomach ulcer, um, when this was claimed first time, um, the discoverer was named Charlatan. And they, he had to stop the science for a while. And then, but he kept going. He was luckier than us. He had financial support. And then, he received Nobel Medical Prize. So that charlatan was actually proving that the stomach ulcer needs to be healed, not with anti-acids or, or whatever, but it's infectious disease and can be treated with, by using antibiotics. So science is such a thing that sometimes it hibernates. I, be, I believe this is hibernating and it is going to wake up one day and um, we had six patents and um, and they will probably somebody who is as crazy as us <laughs> will put their hand under do you, do you say in English you put your hand under their stone 
Oh, I don't know how to make. It's um, yeah, you, uh, uh, you put your head in the ground and you just go forward. You know, it's like you, you go, yeah, you go I do. forward they, with, without, you know, just, just, just with no fear. enthusiasm and no fear. Yes, no, yeah, I get. Yeah, it. because nobody, no scientist wants to work with controversy. Why should I? Because they will name me this and that. I would rather work with the conventional science and. Uh, it's like in military, you became, become then PhD, and then after that, you know, as associate professor and professor, and you know, you, you can climb to higher rank and get a good retirement salary. <laughs> it's a, with the conventional science, you can do that very easily if you are a good uh, researcher. But if you are jumping into a controversy, it, it you can, may end it, it up with misery. Career, it can make your career difficult. No, I understand. And, and it's just really sad that, that something like this, and, and, and I'm not, not discounting it. I'm not, I'm not um, just that something like this that, had, that has the ability to probably change a lot of people's lives. And maybe there'll be some go-getter that picks it up and calls you up and says, hey, Neva, I'm, you know, we want you on board to do this and, 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 and the other doctor fella. You know, but but um, it's just it's just it it it's kind of kind of uh, it's a really wonderful story. And for me, if I was you, I mean, I always tell people, I, I you know, you know what you did. You know, <laughs> you know, you got nothing to prove nobody. You know who you are. You know what I mean. At the end of the day, and, and I don't need my name and lights to be you know blasted everywhere. I just you know, at the end of the day, you do what you do and and uh, do the best you can. The rest is in God's hands. That's the way I look at things in life, right? So, yeah, I mean, we are now talking in the nevology, uh, and uh, in nevology, um, I really would be equally happy, uh, even without me, and I don't have to be involved, somebody to bring this up and reach the success. And um, it, uh, because I have a life philosophy that if you have a good intention and if you are doing things not because of your ego, um, that is a good karma that um, you go to bed and you, you put head on the pillow and say, I have a respect to myself. And I always wanted to be that kind of person and um, I think uh, I that's the number one thing I fight with is ego and I, I will be very happy whoever just takes this and continue on this science. Well, yeah, and I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. So I, I just think it, like, the coolest thing was um, in this whole story was that <laughs> the guy you had on your wall as picture, you know, as your, as your, <laughs> as your mentor, as your guiding beacon there, ended up calling you, you know, years later to come work, come, come look at things at NASA. And, um, yeah. and there was like direct sim similarities of what you discovered here. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's an amazing story. So um, it really is awesome, actually. But, um, you know, and I think, um, I think if there's any young scientists out there or go-getters that are listening to this, it's something you may want to pick up the book on and contact Dr. Baines. <laughs> well, I'm open to any kind of help if I can. Yeah, uh, but, uh, you know. Uh, well, um, it, uh, it is a good example, only not for, you know, um, for the young people to understand this. Uh, it is not always a clear-cut path as a scientist when you are working, if you have lots of publications you will be credited and you will receive support but it is not uh, always the case I think we all live here for a very short time like a butterfly maximum life let's say 100 years and in the, such a short time what you leave behind is uh, um, probably I don't know how to put into words but uh, you do something with love in your heart towards humanity. And it doesn't matter if it goes into the path that you thought or in a different way. It doesn't matter. What you leave behind is still 
as signs made with love, with no any other intention. And there is no nobody in the world wants to be scientist for becoming famous. <laughs> because how many scientists are famous? Most of us are drawn in um, cartoons like crazy people with thick eyeglasses and messy hair and, you know, looking weird. We are like that and we are uh, crazy. And who would work 16 hours a day and receive $2,000 salary <laughs> and then um, be happy with it? We are not normal. <laughs> and and I think... Uh, um, this was my salary when I was receiving salary at Johnson Space Center, and I was very happy working 16 hours. So I think this is the message from Nevalogy for this podcast. It doesn't have to go uh, to the um, path that you are dreaming of. Just do with um, um, love and, uh, and believe in what you are doing and somebody will come and take it and continue. So, well, we hope so because it, I think there's a lot of validity and in, in a lot of, um, you know, if it, I, I'm all for the for the for the for the thought process of what makes life better for everybody. What's you know what makes life easier? And I've seen how a lot of these pills, the statins and all that other stuff affect people and I was like if there's really truly a, a cure that's a $75 fix why by all means are we not exploring that opportunity to to see if if it can be replicated, tested rigorously and then put out to, put out to, to the world to, for you know to, to make the place, to make the earth a little better place to live in so I don't know, it doesn't make any sense to me but I I that's where I would be if I was a gazillionaire. So, and you would have all my support. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, I think we'll end uh, the podcast there today. And obviously, you can read more about uh, Dr. Neva Baines at Novology.com and some of her either spiritual stuff or her science work. Um, and I guess uh, have a great weekend. We, we were a day late on this podcast. Um, and we'll try and get it up here uh, hopefully by tomorrow. So I guess everybody have a great weekend and, and good night. And Dr. Baines, it's, it's good talking to you again. You too. Thank right. you, Roland. Okay, bye-bye.